Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. One more week along the road to WrestleMania. We have gone through the Elimination Chamber, which, let's face it, is the service station stop not long after you've left because you still need to empty your bladder and get against us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hooked On podcast. I'm Rob McNichol, joined, as usual, by my friend and colleague, Mr. Paul Benson. Paul, how are you doing? I'm good, Rob. Hello, everybody. I've got to ask, as a resident of that fine country of Devon, is it Ginsters or is it Ginsters? Uh, first of all, it's Cornish. Um, before you say that, <laughs> clearly Cornish made in Callington. I, I like Cornwall as well, but it's not in Devon. And, and it is definitely the hard G, I have to say. It is Ginsters. It is Plymouth Gin, but it is Cornish Ginsters with a hard G, which is owned by a Leicestershire company. Um, but it's very nice. Anyway, this is not the pasty podcast. This is Hooked On Podcast, where we talk about wrestling. And I'm delighted to have with us someone, uh, a man that very much knows his wrestling, someone that I've been uh, reading his stuff for, for many, many years. I've worked with him, I've worked against him, uh, but we're very happy to have him with us in the Hooked On family today. It is Rob Lee. Rob, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well, Rob. How are you? How are you, Paul? And I, I, I'm sorry, I thought this was the pasty podcast, because that is uh, pies are very much one qualifications. Well, that's the only way we could get his booking, ladies and gentlemen. We, we, <laughs> we promised savoury treats, and we have him pies. But I'm sure now you're here, you're going to be hooked on this podcast, he says, with a terrible little pun. And Rob, do you remember um, a WrestleMania a few years ago when uh, you and I worked together, I think it was, for the first time doing a little video preview? It's only just occurred to me that we did that just before WrestleMania. Was it about four or five years ago? <laughs> Remind me, Rob, which one was that? Which WrestleMania was that? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to think. But uh, Oh, I do. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That, that betting thing. We did the betting thing with, uh, with Mark Webster. And Martin Hines, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. After the time, yes, um, I remember talking about Mark Henry <laughs> and Paul. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I can't remember now. But yeah, I never cashed that check. So, oh, did you not? not? Oh, I did. Yeah. I mess around with those. Yeah, Martin, who was uh, my uh, my erstwhile producer when I was doing the Slam, got us uh, got us together. And we did a little betting preview, didn't we, of the. Uh, of the WrestleMania, goodness me, that was must have been in the uh, the early days of the of the betting markets, which I have to say is something that uh, I've gone largely away from now because they're basically spoiler markets. You know, yes, perhaps they are, especially on the last that. day. I mean, I think Wyatt was uh, one to sixteen on Sunday, and uh, they were very ahead of time as well with the Rumble, especially Paddy Power. But yes, they've all expanded their markets. But I think that was about WrestleMania twenty eight, maybe that we were doing that, or maybe WrestleMania twenty nine. I seem to think it was Mark Hen- the one with Mark Henry and Ryback against each other. Why I remember that match particularly, but uh, I don't yeah. know. Anyone listening that's a particularly big fan of either me or Rob and can remember watching those videos that we can't remember doing, uh, do let us know. Um, for those of you that don't know Rob, it's fair to us to do a, a quick little bio. Um, I think a lot of people, Rob, would know you as the uh, as the man in the mirror for many years doing the wrestling stuff. Is that fair? 
Yeah, probably. Um, I started doing wrestling stuff in 2005 for Zoo Magazine, a bit on the side. I was uh, I was their features guy, but I used to do WWE stuff on the side. And the first show that I reported on, as it were, was uh, November 2005, the weekend after Eddie pa- Eddie Guerrero passed away. So that was a that was an unusual weekend because at that time they allowed the journalists to drink with the wrestlers. So we we're in. Manchester, I think it was the Radisson, and drinking alongside Eric Bischoff, and I remember, who else was there? Finlay was there, I remember Michelle McCool was there, but I also remember Eugene was there and had a drink neck with me that night, and that was the night, I think that was one of his last nights in the company, but maybe we shouldn't uh, talk about that too much, but then yes, moved to the Mirror, set up coverage there for the Mirror, had some commercial deals with... um, with WWE and yet indeed you came and wrote for me there for a while that was good doing the raw reviews and then since then I've done bits for talk sport uh, and gorilla position podcast uh, who else MTV the sun yeah I did the sun for about a year international business times basically anyone that will pay me that's a good policy I always find yeah. and yeah I forget I forget that you went to uh, to the sun for a bit so it's like we we flipped over it's a little bit like when someone goes and does TNA for a bit and then comes back and they, everyone works across brand we uh, did that for a bit didn't we but um uh, I, I first met you as I recall on the same day that I first met Paul I think is the uh, is the yes, fact I we heard that from the well, the first podcast or the second podcast on podcast yeah that was when we went out drinking with Rick Flair that was uh, that was fairly memorable <laughs> it was we won't go over, we, we won't go over those stories again uh, if you as as Rob quite rightly points out go to some early ones for uh, some particularly good Ric Flair stories mainly from uh, from uh, showbiz Paul Benson it has to be said <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get into the meat of the podcast which is to talk a little bit about some uh, some Wrestlemania's the current the past the setup and all that kind of thing um, what are you up to with yourself uh, now Rob if people are wanting to uh, see your wrestling thoughts I still do some bits and pieces for talk sport now and again I'm not doing it full time I was a full time wrestling uh, content producer or journalist, whatever it goes through it for a year. So I did live the dream that the uh, wrestling became my full-time job for a year. But at the moment, I'm actually uh, I'm actually training to be a lawyer at the moment. So I've um, I've oh, left wow. media and my 12-year media career almost entirely behind. Uh, just doing a bit of freelance. So it's it's a bit of a change. Um, that's very very handy. Um, if we say anything dodgy. Yes. Um, can you let us know? You could come in. Uh, you could be our Clarence Mason. How does that sound? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> How does that sound? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, obviously, me and him are double, so uh, <laughs> better than being Jim Cornette, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, boys, let's uh, let's have a little bit of um, some some current mania talk because I really want to uh, to get onto some things that happened this week. I've got to. In fact, Paul, you tell me. You tell everyone, sorry, what you told me earlier on today, because I hadn't seen uh, Raw or SmackDown from this week. I've seen the Elimination Chamber, hadn't seen Raw or SmackDown, uh, and we had a little chat earlier on. Uh, in fact, I don't know any results in, other than the uh, other than what I saw that what we're about to talk about. So I will get to those things. But Paul rang me up earlier and said, "Have you seen?" Or will you tell them what you said? Yeah. Well, we're driving down the road. Thought I'd give Rob a ring to discuss the format for this podcast, and I just want to check out yeah, Rob. So yeah, it has got a format, but everyone <laughs> sounds like some people talking. It has actually got a format. I said, I said, Rob, have you seen the Festival of Friendship from Raw this week? And uh, Rob's answer was no. 
And at that point, do you know, have you ever seen, had a series where you've watched the whole damn thing, Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or whatever, and you come across someone who hasn't seen it and you feel that pang of jealousy because you know <laughs> they have got that in their in their future. They've got that to look forward to and you can't do that again. Rob had that today. In my opinion, that segment between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho was the best thing on Monday Night Raw in 10 years or more. Absolutely phenomenal piece of television. I'm going to answer that by the virtue of telling you when I went to see Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I was told by many people how absolutely staggeringly, unbelievably brilliant it was. Uh, And I went and I went, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Now, I think if someone had told me it was absolutely rubbish, I'd have gone and gone, no, it was pretty good. Um, Sometimes it's expectation. I thought it was very good indeed. Um, I don't think it's anything like the best thing that's happened in 10 years, but it was it was excellent. I have to say it was excellent. Jericho is having an absolute ball. Um, at the moment and that was there's a great phrase that I heard many times in wrestling which is the phrase all in and if someone is afraid of a prop is he (laughs) absolutely right and when someone is all in they talk about certain gimmicks that get handed to people now I know this is a a pretty obscure old reference but you know people talk about something like the red rooster that got given to Terry Taylor now you might say that how could you be all in on something where you basically you're pretending to be a chicken or you're being told that you're ordinary and vanilla but there is some suggestions I don't I don't know Terry Taylor but there's some suggestions that one of the reasons that didn't work is he wasn't all in on the gimmick other people have really thrown themselves into some ludicrous ones and they've actually got over doing so I would say Jericho is as all in as anyone can get in certain things that he does and this was the pinnacle, I think, of this run so far in terms of his mannerisms, his expressions, his one-liners, just sensational. I twigged, I think, halfway through where it was going, but that's okay. I have no problem with things being predict, quote-unquote predictable if they make sense. And I think I knew where it was going, but I didn't know for certain. Um, what I also liked was I thought it was there, was, there were two very um, specific homages um, in, in, that, uh, in that piece. Um, I should say, this is a good point. I, I realize I should have said this about three minutes ago. If anyone's not seen it, hopefully you've had some sense by now to have paused this and gone to watch it. Obviously, if you're in the car or you're out for a jog or something, we're about to spoil what happened. Um, but um, the homages of, firstly, I felt that the whole thing was essentially um, the Rock and Mick Foley's This Is Your Life. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was essentially what they were doing was a modern version of that. And that's fine, by the way. It's not a rip off. You can you can do that. You're just taking a good formula. And the last thing which I loved to pieces was that by putting Jericho's head through the TV, Owens became the third person in a little chain to do it. Because I always thought that when Jericho put Michael's head through the TV back in 2000, yep. 2008, that was Jericho's homage to the barbershop window. <laughs> So I've always felt that it was it was Michaels on Janetti and then it was Jericho on Michaels and now it's Owens on Jericho. So I would say in around about 2025, someone is going to get their um, get their chance to smash Kevin Owens through something. Although knowing how booking works, it'll probably happen in about October because they won't be able to hold, <laughs> hold back on an idea. But um, Jericho said it's an homage to uh, when he did it with into with the Jeritron and Michaels. He said it was a homage to the barbershop window. I don't know because I only watched it about <laughs> about 45 minutes ago. I haven't had a chance to go in there uh, look at what's been out there. So uh, Paul might know that better than me. But no, I don't think so, and I don't think he will. But um, I think he probably might do it in a podcast or something at some point. But that's uh, Jericho thinks about these things, and I, I've spoken to, to Chris about when he did all this stuff with Sean because that's that's still my favourite um, 
feud, if you want to call it, angle, storyline, whatever you want to call it, personal issue. The, mm-hmm. Mi- the Michaels and Jericho stuff from, two- I think it's 2008, was, was just... I thought was as perfect as it's possible to get. And they have both said many times that they essentially booked it themselves as they went. I think they had a writer that was with them, but yeah. you know, between them that they concocted a lot of stuff and a lot of it was, they came up with it as you went along. Um, and it was a judgment, you know, a late call to put the belt on Jericho and then have it in a ladder match and all that kind of thing, because it was working so well. And mm-hmm. I know that when Jer- I know that Jericho has had a hand in a lot of these things before, and I think he demands it in a good way, not in a diva way, but, um, Jericho is in a position where he can say, look, if we're not going to do what I want to do, I don't have to be here. He doesn't have to work for WWE anymore. Um, you know, and the fact that he wants to be there and wants to go through with these things, I think is, you know, testament to, to WWE allowing him to have a bit of a creative hand. So I would imagine that Jericho did most of that um, booking, um, or at least of that segment. And I thought it was excellent. I'm not belittling what you said and saying, Paul, about how... Uh, ludicrously magnificent it was but i kind of wish you'd have told me it was pretty good because then i'd have gone pretty good it was amazing so that's my thoughts um rob i think well, they want... start flogging those plastic hats that he was wearing and and where, where does this go now who's the good guy and who's the bad guy here oh hand, hands down kevin owens is the bad guy like that instantly theory, instantly every you know just rewinding back to the beginning of the segment all that stuff jericho was talking about was so heartfelt and probably a lot of it was based in truth and then for owens to do that in the manner that he did the way he knew that that box would be opened the list would come out and that heartbreaking moment where jericho's face drops and he realizes names on it and you know he's yeah. about to get smashed at that point yeah the face oh, that launched a thousand memes i think oh, unbelievable absolutely absolute hands down i've been a critic of jericho's over the last couple of years mm-hmm. but this run has been outstanding this as rob said this has been like the exclamation point on it and mm-hmm. oh it's turned owens for me like you know I, i'm a big fan of owens and i'm touched on this last week on the po- podcast big fan of owens but not a big fan of how he's been portrayed over the last few months during his title reign his vicious killer mm-hmm. prize fighter edge has been sort of by the wayside mm-hmm. um, for this sort of comedy duo, which yeah. whilst hugely entertaining has been a bit of a waste, it's now back in absolute spades and you've got this vicious heel again, but with Jericho as probably the number one face in the company as well in You're one night. You're right, Mr. Benson. I mean, I, I, I'm got a little bit concerned about positioning Jericho as a face, uh, a good guy, even though he's he's hugely popular. and Because, he, he as, as Rob said, he commits to it. And that's what wrestling is when it comes down to it. It's about selling something. And how well you sell something and commit to that, you can get anything over. But I, I was concerned, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, because although, um, and there's been huge plaudits for this little duo, I agree that uh, Owens has definitely lost a bit of edge there, because this is the problem. He's so talented in so many different ways. Um, whichever aspect of his performance you you bring to the fore, it's almost you do feel like you're losing out on something else. And I, I agree that I think at this point, where he's the he's the nominal champion of the brand, he should be that absolute brutal bastard. But um, I, the, the, the one problem for me going forward is, and I'm probably looking far too much into the future post WrestleMania, if indeed Jericho does uh, bugger off for another tour with Fozzy or whatever he wants to do. It's a good way to get rid of him would be a lever, loser leaves town match or whatever. And they tend to like those cage matches just after WrestleMania, don't they, with extreme measures or whatever the pay-per-views call these days. But the um, uh, best way to get rid of him then would be a bad guy. But there's no denying when something works, is there? I think 
I've read some reports online. <laughs> you know how true they are. I think I've read some reports online that Jericho's leaving in May. In fact, I think he may even have said that himself. I think it was an interview that I, I read with him that yeah. he said he's going to go. He's away in May. Now, listen, Jericho is a master of telling you something. Now, if Jericho were to, when Jericho is not with the company, if he says, I'm coming back on Raw this week, I would immediately think there's no way Jericho's going to be on Raw this week and vice versa. He, out, he outright lies, and I admire him for that. And he knows what he's doing as well, by the way. Um, I just want to make one point that uh, you said, Paul. You said that I put the... Uh, I was saying that Jericho was putting the exclamation point on his career. I would like to point out that I didn't say that. If I had done, I would have said exclamation mark because I am an Englishman. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, we'll, we'll leave that behind uh, to an extent. I think we've all um, expressed how, uh, how extremely good that we, we thought it was. Um, we will leave Raw and SmackDown um, f- for there for this week, mainly because I haven't seen them. But uh, also, I don't want to make this into a, you know, let's review the week's news kind of podcast because everyone does that. But I do want to look at the Elimination Chamber if we can, because it is current and it would be silly of us as we're talking about roads to WrestleManias to, to not talk about that. Um, starting with you, Rob, um, assuming that you've seen the pay-per-view and taken it all in, what was the, the one or two news items? We're journalists, let's face it. What were the t- news items that you took out of that? What would you, if someone hadn't seen it, what's the thing that people need to take out of the Elimination Chamber? Well, well, the top line is is who won, but I don't, I don't think there were particularly any big news items, but there were lots of, I, I think people, I think the reaction to the show has been pretty harsh. I thought it was a perfectly fine show, if uh, if you believe in those snowflake ratings. And I don't really. I would have put it in the pretty average territory, but mildly diverting. Felt quite long. Felt quite long. But uh, there were. I think there were. I like to focus on the positive, and I think there were lots of positives there, including Luke Harper, who I think is a is is a god among wrestlers. Um, I really enjoyed Mickey James in there, um, and uh, I even enjoyed Bree Zango. So, <laughs> what do you say, Paul? Um, yeah, it's it's fairly. It was a fairly well. It was a one match show, wasn't it? Really, everything else was very entertaining, kept my attention, but it's you know, forgettable. Um, didn't really go anywhere. Um, Luke Harper Orton was a great match. Can't wait to see what they do with Harper. But the interesting p- point is that Bray Wyatt finally snags singles gold. Um, and where do they go from here with that? Obviously, we're not going to touch on SmackDown this time because you haven't seen it. So I'm not going to ruin it for you or anybody out there. But um, it might not be as an obvious route as we all thought. Good, because they've got seven weeks. And it's not if they've, if yeah. they've, if they've already decided on what they're doing for every match. Because we're starting to see it come together, aren't we, with Bray and Orton. And then you know now now Owens and Jericho and, um, you know, and various different uh, things as, as we go along. Um, so... I think they've given themselves with with Owens and Jericho, for, for example, they've given themselves a an out as far as that Jericho won't now help one would think Kevin Owens to retain a title. So that kind of makes Goldberg that even even bigger favourite, perhaps for, for that match. We'll see. Um, but um, in terms of the uh, the chamber, um, I thought that the I agree with what you said, Paul, about it being you know pretty good but forgettable. I think that in years to come we're not going to say, oh, do you remember the Elimination Chamber 2017? You'll probably not really remember it by by later on this year I reckon, I reckon there is a trivia point which will mark this out even though um i, I don't believe that wwe particularly market they usually tend to do these things but a trivia note about this show is as far as i can remember this has got to be the first special pay-per-view whatever you want to call it with three singles uh matches for females that's a very good point it's a very good point and uh yeah and i endorse that as well and i always think when it comes to those kind of things, they're 
they're things that shouldn't be made something of because we should have a proper sense of you know equality and if they deserve to be there then they deserve to be there and it's always the you know the notion that we have to shout about um uh you know equality for for gender and for sexuality and for color and that kind of thing and we really shouldn't there shouldn't be anything made of the first you know a black champion or the first women's main event or that kind of thing because they should have they should have that they should be there on merit should they not but the fact that you have to point it out indicates what's happened in the past and therefore i think it's a good thing that you have and a good thing that other people do mention it because i thought mainly if we'd have had three women's matches at various points in history not all the time but various points in history um i think it really would have been toilet break time and you know there is for, for not for that reason being settled down ladies and gentlemen um but there was um it was it was often poor fare and it was because they hired people that were um models that could you know vaguely take a bump and now they feel like they're hiring wrestlers and even someone like alexa bliss that i thought when she was in nxt was essentially I thought, you know gorgeous but not you know anything to write home about in the ring or on the mic i think it's turned into an excellent um worker and uh, you know, legitimate character and believable. And I thought all three matches were good. I th- I would have all three matches, you know, higher than everything on the card apart from um, probably the main event and, and Harper and Orton. But certainly the other male matches that were on the show and on the pre-show were nothing in comparison to the to the ladies. And I thought all, all of them held up a, a good story. Um, the one thing I do want to point out, and this is a, we try and make this a, a positive podcast. So my uh, perhaps once famed rants on the one-sided ring did not kind of poke their head through here. However, the um, the two on one Callisto, Dolph Ziggler, mm. um, Apollo Cruz um, thing mm-hmm. um, is as one of the most baffling, stupid, nonsensical, pointless matches I think I have ever seen on a pay per view, which followed no credible rules of booking it just had no sense to it it got no reaction i felt ever so sorry for three people that are all pretty talented in their own way very different workers and very different characters but they were really forced into a horrible situation no one wants to cheer for Cruz. no one wants to cheer for Callisto. they do want to cheer for ziggler and wwe have not worked out yet that their characters with some edge and some nuance that have actually thought out are what people want to cheer for. Forget whether they do nasty, nefarious acts. Forget whether they kiss babies and give chocolates to old ladies. What they want is something that's interesting, which is why Kevin Owens and AJ Styles and Chris Jericho and, and people like that get reactions and why smiley Apollo Crews and bland Rey Mysterio knockoff Kalisto do not get those reactions. And to force them into some ludicrous two-on-one where somehow Ziggler still walked away with his head up having beaten the two of them up. Oh, they look good as noble baby faces, don't they? That they're happy to go two-on-one and they still get beaten up. Goodness me. I'm, I am assuming that it's going to end with Cruz turning on Kalisto and they're going to have some sort of issue and maybe they're going to try and make Cruz into something. But... I just got so angry with it because I felt mainly because I felt sorry for those three fellas who I think are all very decent and just must have been pain. That must have been painful for them. And well, I'm sorry it, to have ranted, but you know, that's the point. Well, it was a waste of time that didn't achieve uh, the very low, st- uh, you know, targets that you set out to achieve. You know, you're completely right. It had two good guys in the handicap situation psychologically or whatever. That is, is a weird piece of storytelling, but um, I think this points to a wider problem with SmackDown. SmackDown gets a lot of plaudits uh, as being superior to Raw, but when it comes to dealing with, um, you know, what people call the mid card, 
Um, it's pretty disastrous, the likes of Cruz and Kalisto especially, but American Alpha really need a kind of repositioning uh, when it comes to this. But with <laughs> Ziggler as a bad guy, well, he did vote Trump. It, it does seem, <laughs> I'm not sure a program like this is going to make uh, Dolph, Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler great again. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Um, moving on to um, other bits, because like I said, this is uh, we try and be positive about things, and it's not a uh, it's not a therapy session, although I, I treat it as that way sometimes. Um, I did think that the uh, what I liked mostly about the main event, uh, I, I liked two things about it. One was that um, despite the fact that um, Bray Wyatt was heavy favourite and rumoured, and that all makes sense, I talked on this podcast about how I could see um, an AJ Styles Randy Orton feud um, panning out, and while you know, I wouldn't have staked any money on it happening, and indeed didn't. Um, I liked that it was AJ versus Bray at the end, and not Cena versus Bray. Not because I'm a sort of anti-Super Cena kind of guy, but it just made more sense as a keep-you-guessing finish. Because I don't think that people, although there is the kind of if-in-doubt-Cena-wins mentality, I think we could all see that Cena-Orton is not going to happen at Mania, and they gave it away on TV last week. Um, and it would have been too obvious, and it would have been another frustration for, uh, for, Cena, uh, for AJ to have not got that far. I liked that Bray beat Cena straight up. It makes Bray look tougher, um, and I just I liked the I liked the way it was structured. I thought it was a really nice structure to it, um, and al- I also liked how it set up other things. It, you know, we have a um, a fairly clear um, route I think now for for Baron Corbin and, and Dean Ambrose, um, and it seems that Miz and Cena may well pair off as well. So I quite liked how it um, how it developed along. I thought it was uh, very solidly booked, as they indeed often are. Have you seen SmackDown result spoilers, Rob? No. I know you said you haven't seen the show. I have not. I have not, mate. I don't do. I don't do spoil. I only do spoilers if I'm not going to watch it. If I'm not going to watch something, then I'll read the results. Other than that, when I plan to watch something, as I've been doing in this uh, WrestleMania season, then I, uh, I I opt not to. Is it okay if I make reference to a couple of things from SmackDown while I add to what you were saying? Uh, I guess so. Warning to all. But yeah, go on. Jolly good. So I, I agree with everything you said, and I think it was very interesting as well um, with uh, with Cena because. Uh, because him going out th- uh, third from last, as it were, he immediately gets out of the way, and he's not part of the final picture. So he's not the, the one that's routed at the end. So I thought that was very interesting, and I thought that was a good way to do it, exactly that. But I just add that little note about him being in there as well. I agree. To, uh, I'm not so sure that Cena Miz is as clear-cut as everyone thinks it would be, because Miz uh, didn't play, as I understand it. I haven't seen SmackDown, but I've read some fairly comprehensive reports on it. Uh, Miz wasn't even mentioned as part of the show last night and he didn't feature, which I find very interesting because uh, we haven't had too much development on the Roman Reigns taker aspect now. And that would obviously seem to be the way to go. But I am uh, a proponent, exponent, whatever opponent of uh, (laughs) Cena taker for many, many years now. And I think this is still the biggest match that WWE has in their locker for WrestleMania and something I really want to see before age wearies either man too far or either of their bald spots. But um, in regards to what I wanted to mention about SmackDown, um, like I say, the the Miz Cena thing isn't as clear-cut. And what uh, I think is very pertinent to our discussion going forward here is Randy Orton has said that he's not going to... uh, take his WrestleMania title shot against Bray, and he's dedicated himself to Bray. So like you say, we've got seven weeks, so plenty of time for that to end thread. And Randy's got to be the good guy here, which I find a bit staggering anyway. But just a tiny little footnote about uh, the main event last night where 
can I give you a result, Rob? Oh, sorry, if you haven't watched it by now. <laughs> uh, when Cena took the pin from uh, Bray on last night's, uh, sorry, on, on this week's SmackDown show, he, uh, you can actually hear him, because obviously you can always hear everything Cena says on bloody. Uh, they can't mic the crowd properly, but they can mic uh, the, the wrestlers in the ring. He says, uh, he says you're a proper champion now to, uh, to Bray. It was quite fascinating to hear that as he took the pin. Wow, that is interesting. interesting. I have to say, I never ever hear that. No, I never hear it. I, it, have, it's, I think I'm slightly hard of hearing, but I, you can hear things generally. These kind of things, but if you listen uh, to a device with earphones, but I always miss it on the TV. I'm like you, Rob. I'm forever reading reports from. You know, I, I watch a show and I'll go back and read someone's report on it, and I'll often say, "Oh, and you heard so and so call a spot, and you heard so and so say throw me into the ropes," and I go, oh, "I didn't hear that. I, I never hear that." It's hard, isn't it? But uh, luckily for us. We have the magic preserved for us. Indeed, yes, indeed. Um, Paul, any thoughts on um, those situations without uh, going too much into spoiler territory? I've done it all. Well, uh, too late, too late. Rob's over the floodgates. No, what I really like about um, what we've seen over the last week and a little bit before then is how seven weeks away the the, the pieces. The pieces on the chessboard are already being manoeuvred into a proper position for WrestleMania. You know, if you look back to this time last year, by far my biggest criticism of the whole thing was they seemingly didn't have a clue. And I know the hand was forced by the amount of injuries they had this time last year, but it really felt like they were just, excuse my French, throwing shit at the wall um, and seeing what would stick. And in the end, we ended up with a WrestleMania that resembled shit on a wall. Um, whereas, whereas this year, you know, you can already see... Whether, whether some of these rumours like Cena, Miz and the mixed tag match come together or not, you can see those plans being put in place already. And to me, whether you like the matchups that they're presenting or not, that is always going to be preferable and always make for a better card with a better build and more compelling stories if that is done now rather than on the hoof in the last three or four weeks. I'll give you that. And I'll, I'll, I'll preface it by saying... Um, I don't want to know everything a long way out because you need to still have some TV you know, brought up in the last little while. You need to have a reason to watch Raw and SmackDown in the last couple of weeks. Otherwise, you can just go, I know the card for Mania, put the you know controls away, don't watch wrestling for a couple of weeks and I'll come back for WrestleMania, haven't missed anything. But I, d- I take your point is that you certainly don't want, you want a bit of anticipation and some, you know, a chance for, if nothing else, a chance for all the protagonists to, to go on the chat shows and, and do the, do the, the TV circuits promoting the WrestleMania. If they come on and say, who are you wrestling? Go, don't know. That's kind of pointless. So they need to have uh, something in place. The yeah. Go on. I, so I, I kind of agree with you to a point. But, you know, for me, like I know, we know fairly confidently already that, for instance, Jericho and, and Kevin Owens are going to be facing off at WrestleMania. Oh, we know that. We know that. We, they we know that. that. Have they? They need to get to a point where you have that match because Je- Owens has still got to worry about um, Goldberg, Goldberg. Yeah. so you're going yeah, to have to let's use the we know Goldberg Lesnar is taking place at WrestleMania that's a confirmed match for me that's not a reason to turn off the TV between now and Mania even if every every match was set in stone or you know close to it's how they get there and if they've got that plan in place they will already have week one week two week three week four etc all planned out with what they want to do and we know from past history WWE is at its best wrestling in general is at its best when it's got a roadmap and it knows where it's going from week to week rather than just changing course on a whim um, so I'll be I'll always take that rather than um, rather than the on the fly stuff fair enough one last thing 
um, coming out of the chamber um, into WrestleMania this year before we get on to uh, some other points of interest. Um, what happens to AJ Styles? There are so many uh, theories going out there, but I don't think I've heard any one firm one. The, the latest one that came into my mind this week is that perhaps he could somehow um, get involved in the, uh, the Orton and Bray thing. And there may be some sort of um, three-way. I think that could be uh, that's a possibility. Um, I've heard tell that uh, they could work out some sort of AJ versus Shane McMahon thing, and um, that they could find out some way of doing him something with Samoa Joe. Um, a lot of this is kind of is very much fantasy. A lot of people are just putting some jigsaw pieces together and, and coming up with something. Uh, again, just in case anything is uh, a, a, you know a spoiler-driven thing, we'll, we'll avoid that. But um, any thoughts, chaps, on uh, what you would do with AJ? Start with you, uh, Rob. Well, yes, um, Shane has been uh, mentioned as a rumour quite a lot, really, and that is uh, my least favoured option of the three. Um, nothing wrong with Shane McMahon. It's just, it's not for, it's it's perfectly well filmed on a, on a WrestleMania card. It's just not, not from entertaining to me at all. But as a presence, uh, I, I, I did tweet a couple of weeks ago when Seth uh, went down with his latest injury. Um, I don't mean this, Seth, as, as the performer, as the person, but as a character, ideally for me, if um, they had to switch that match around somehow, because I believe that uh, Shane versus Triple H was talked as an alternative for, for trips. If they could do that match, that would keep them both out of the way for me. And then uh, if Seth's late availability came around, I, I'd love uh, a Seth-AJ uh, inter-promotional match, actually. But uh, word is very much that he's going in the McMahon direction. Yeah, I, I've, I've said, again, I won't dwell on old ground on uh, this podcast but I've said it previously uh, on, on these airwaves that I think that if Triple H versus Seth doesn't happen then I don't do anything with either of them No, I, I, would just, I just leave them be and let them let them sit and we can come back to it at SummerSlam I think that has to be to me Triple H has to come back for the right thing these days and not just to you know to strong arm into, into something and he needs to do the Seth thing um, so whether or not you use that to try and bump up a, a quote unquote B pay-per-view uh, or whether you hold it back for SummerSlam, I think there's something that uh, can be done with that down the line. No, um, I get that. I just I prefer um, Triple H on the card more further more than Shane though. Still, fair dues. Um, Paul, anything on AJ? Um, well, first of all, I think very soon after Mania, possibly the first SmackDown after Mania, we're going to see the face turn. Um, I think he's, he's he's done his time as a heel, which is going to, you know, we always talk about any any truly great face has to have a truly great heel run first. Mm-hmm. And I think AJ has now had that, which will, when he comes back to being a face, the reactions for him from people who've been absolutely dying to cheer him since SummerSlam before will be off the charts. So I think that's, that's imminent. Um, running up to that, yeah, it looks like Shane McMahon. Um, it's obviously not particularly exciting as a match. Let's see how, you know, the story might be quite compelling. The story might be quite interesting. Um, One thing I will say though, is, you know, regardless of what we as fans think of it as a match, putting anybody in the ring with Shane McMahon or a McMahon at WrestleMania is a massive stamp of approval from that company hierarchy. So, the fact that Styles is being talked up for that match is, you know, speaks volumes for his impact over the last year and a bit, and speaks volumes for his future and his perception in that company. I think Styles is a fixture that is here to stay in the main events, um, and I think him versus Shane McMahon at WrestleMania in that scope should be celebrated. 
agree entirely. It's a very good point, one which I was uh, um, poised to make, and I'm pleased that you made it, it so eloquently in front of me. Volumes about uh, Shane, um, about AJ's ability as a worker to get the, give Shane the best possible match as well. It does. If, if we get there, by the way, we're talking about this as if it's a done deal. I still don't think it is. I still think there's a way to do other things, but we shall see. And that's one of the beauties of uh, being along this uh, this highway to the big show, which is still uh, a few weeks away. Um, speaking of uh, WrestleMania, indeed, where the road starts at the Royal Rumble. Um, Rob, you uh, you joined the Hooked On team for uh, for the Royal Rumble. I did. Uh, and did your first uh, bit of hosting. You did the uh, the show at Shooters in Birmingham. How did you enjoy your experience? It was uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a big crowd. It was about how many in the end was it, Paul? Uh, on the door, two, you know? two fifty, something like that. Was it really? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were a lively crowd. We had uh, we had about ten people dressed up as DX. They uh, <laughs> they were well into it. We had plenty of Jerichos and some Kevin Owens as well, and uh, yeah, and lots of ten counts. And what, what I did. <laughs> What was very funny when we were doing the quiz was there were lots of boos for Roman Reigns, no. but uh, no boos at all for mention of President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I was very disappointed in my my black country brother, but uh, no, it was it was fantastic. And I've been to uh, the ones in London before, the the Temple ones that, that you you guys have hosted yourself. Um, lots of fun, yeah, really enjoyed it. Well, come Yeah, no, just to say, Rob, you know. Pleasure to have you on board. You did a great job. Um, yeah, glad you enjoyed it. It was a great event. Thanks, mate. If you get to um, to work your magic with the people that you do know with WWE, and it's particularly NXT, um, if they were to come over and do another tour, um, I really think you need to take Ty Dillinger into the heart of Birmingham <laughs> and, get, and get him to rename the roundabout 10 ways. Oh, very good. I yeah. think that would be, get some good local play, I think, off of that one there. Well, every time we hit the number 10 question in the various sections, we got the 10 count, so that was <laughs> very gratifying. I ate that 10 count, I have to say, but never mind, that's, a, that's, another, that's another matter. Um, so yeah, it was great to get um, to Rob involved with the, uh, the, the Hooked on Wrestling Royal Rumble parties. Um, if you are not familiar uh, with what we do uh, for pay-per-views, we do it for the Rumble, for WrestleMania, and for SummerSlam. Uh, Hooked on Wrestling provides parties all over the country in various different venues, which we're going to talk about specifically in just a second. Um, I've been hosting the, uh, the one in London for, for several years. Um, Paul, who you're listening to here on the podcast, is kind of the king of Hooked on Wrestling and puts all this together. And like we say, Rob was very uh, good, in, was good enough to come and join us and did a great job in, in Birmingham. Um, Paul, we are running eight WrestleMania pay-per-view parties. Um, tell us where people can go to watch WrestleMania with us. Yes, we are, Rob. Eight is the magic number this time around. It's the biggest number of parties we've done to date. Um, we are running at a couple of different venues, a couple of different bar chains. So in London, with our sort of our, our stronghold, our home crowd, we're going to be at Walkabout Temple as per usual. We love it there. The fans love it. It's been a great, great place to host these events. Um, we're also going back to Brighton to run the Walkabout there. Um we had a bit of a false start there last year, a few teething problems, um, but we're going back again. We've got a great team in place um, at the bar now, so we're confident that that's going to be superb. Um, and then outside of the south, we are um, all our parties are in Shooter's Sports Bars, um, which is an ever-expanding chain of great sports bars that are in the Midlands and the north of England primarily. Um, we're running parties with those guys in Liverpool, in Leeds, in Manchester, in Birmingham, in Cardiff and for the first time in Nottingham um, at the new Shooter Sports Bar that opens on March the 18th. 
fantastic stuff. If you haven't been to one of our parties before, um, we do put an emphasis on uh, the pre-show entertainment. That is our own pre-show, not the one on the network, um, as well as the pay-per-view itself. So from midnight, um, you'll be able to watch the pay-per-view with hundreds of... Um, depending on where you are in the venue, varying amounts of hundreds uh, of uh, your fellow wrestling fans. It's a great chance to uh, let your hair down, chant along, cheer for who you want to, enjoy a, uh, an alcoholic beverage if that's your uh, your fancy, uh, and just let your hair down and watch the uh, the pay-per-view. But before that, um, we have the famous Hooked on Wrestling quiz. Uh, we uh, gem- we encourage fancy dress, although it's not uh, necessary. Lots of people come along in fancy dress, and we will uh, judge who's the best on show, as it were. Um, and just generally um, get play some wrestling tunes over the the PA system and just have a great relaxed night and enjoy the pay-per-view so we would love it if you would be able to join Hooked on Wrestling wherever um, is nearest to you for Wrestlemania and tickets are on sale now and going pretty quickly Paul's got some information about early bird tickets in London first of all yeah they are guys um, we've got um, a, we're basically in, in London and Manchester we do early bird tickets where it gives you guys the chance to get them slightly cheaper um, if you book in the first batch now uh, in both London and Manchester, we are now down into the single digits of early bird tickets that are left available. So the chances are that uh, when you listen to this podcast, they could well have gone. Well worth checking anyway, ringsideworld.co.uk. Um, we may well have a couple left when you listen to this. And if you do, I'd urge you to get them because when those have gone, um, we're up to full price. Um, so tickets available for all venues now at ringsideworld.co.uk. You can also reserve tables and seating at all our venues now i must say um due to the immense popularity of these things in london all the reserve seating is now sold out completely there so don't bother trying to get in touch with the bar you will have no joy um in brighton you can call the bar direct um and the same in uh, all our shooters venues give them a call um and they can reserve you tables and put vip packages together if that's your thing with beers and food included as well check out the website for details and you can also check out our social media on uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash HO wrestling or on Twitter. We are HO underscore wrestling. Do you know, I learned that about three or four weeks ago, Rob, and I'm still too lazy to do it myself. I just let Paul do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd feel redundant if you didn't, Rob. I'd feel like a spare part. So, yeah, indeed. It'd be a so little, yeah, a little bit like getting Alistair McGowan on the podcast and doing impressions myself, wouldn't it? So that's uh, <laughs> it's, uh, or something about getting a dog and barking, that kind of thing. Um, Rob, um, are you uh, are you with us for WrestleMania? Or are you jetting off to the show itself? Because this time last week um, we had Steve Linsky on the show and I talked about how Steve can get involved in our WrestleMania things. And he went, uh, I'm going to WrestleMania, which which uh, I, I knew that and I'd forgotten. So um, what's, uh, what's your status this year? I, I believe, yes, I'll be back in Birmingham. WWE uh, have... Uh declined to offer to send me to WrestleMania this year. So uh, I think I'll be in Birmingham instead. And, and what a better place to be than Orlando. <laughs> and he, but nobody means that, everyone. Do you know what I mean? Once you've been to WrestleMania, they're fun. They're fun, but there's nothing quite like watching it with uh, with Hurts on Wrestling. Um, but, but, Rob, you have been to Wrestle. What WrestleManias have you been to? I have been to 30 and 31. And they were both excellent as uh, as live experiences. Just Just absolutely tremendous. Excellent stuff. What's um, maybe you've got one or two stories about your WrestleMania escapades? Perhaps I haven't I haven't teed him up for this, folks. So I'll uh, I'm padding just an extra bit on this question to give him a little bit of uh, thinking time. But there must be something of uh, of your experience, not a little bit off the beaten track, maybe not rather than just a 
I watched this match and it was good. Like <laughs> the escapade is a bit dangerous, especially in New Orleans, which is the absolute perfect place for a WrestleMania because uh, it's it's quite compact as well, and uh, Bourbon Street and the drinking areas, and they are very very lively. And uh, you, you walk down the street, and uh, our friend Lorna was there at the same time. Uh, Lorna Gray, she was there, and uh, so we met up with her and uh, Lindsay and went for a few drinks around the very lively part of New Orleans. And uh, they throw uh, beads off the top of the balconies down to the street in Bourbon Street. And you so not Lorna and Lindsay do? Uh, no, no, not Lorna, but people people do. And you're supposed pronouns, to pal, pronouns, that kind of thing. So, and uh, it was packed with wrestling fans, obviously, and a lot of people dressed as Bray Wyatt at the time. And in the bars, I remember we were out drinking, not necessarily with, but the Usos and Alberto was there. And Rob Van Dam was in one bar and he, ju- he did a, a dive off a bar into a crowd of people to crowd surf. I'm not sure the people were ready for crowd surfing, but they learned to pick it up quite quickly. But uh, yeah, and 30, of course, when uh, Taker, uh, the, the three count went, everyone just thought it was a botch. It was just, and what what wasn't really reported much at the time was I was uh, I had been in the press area, which was right in the guards, but I'd uh, come down and got another seat as well, and was sitting in the arena rather than uh, in the press. Um, what do they call them? You know, like uh, like in a box. There was a box yeah. as well, but I managed to get a seat outside as well to to get a bit more of the atmosphere, which is just really quite indescribable. With how many was it? Seventy thousand at the time. And this most incredible production thing. But uh, when what went largely unreported was as soon as Undertaker uh, lost uh, for the majority of that Divas match, the crowd was in shock. And uh, I, I went back because I thought, well, I've got to write up some opinion pieces on this straight away. So I missed most of the main events, uh, writing up being up in the, in the top and the gods in the press area again. But what happened was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people left after the Undertaker result, which I just couldn't understand after all the hype of Daniel Bryan's and his story. It's fantastic, such a fantastic storyline that people left before the payoff and never quite oh. understood that. But uh, 31 was, was great as well. 31 was lots and lots of fun right from the off and had uh, in, in, that, uh, in, that, in that stadium in, uh, where the hell was it? Uh, Santa Clara. Uh, and had... Uh, it was one. I think it was the six-hour show, and it really felt like a festival for the first time. And uh, I think those kind of spaces, WWE, those vibes—they've obviously made inroads with NXT specifically into uh, Download Festival, and have done things over in Kentucky with some other festivals. And I think that that all-day escapade is is something they can really get into as well. But uh, th- those are the those are the safe shows, uh, the safe stories, I think. <laughs> then maybe we'll have to do we should do some sort of hooked on wrestling after dark yeah. podcast or something like uh like when they used to do those uh those those Hollyoaks specials when uh they used to try and try and bring you in with the uh <laughs> that little bit extra what a strange reference rob anyway back on to uh, <laughs> what we were talking about i wanted to ask the the people that you saw dressed as bray wyatt in new orleans were they wrestling fans or is that just how people dress in new orleans <laughs> no they were wrestling fans because <laughs> it reminded me of something i was um I was in Liverpool once. It was when the um, it was the first TN, the first proper um, TNA tour, I think, which was in June two thousand and eight. Paul, does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's um, right. So um, two shows in the Liverpool Olympia, uh, and I was up staying in the uh, the no expense spared um, travel lodge that I was staying in at the time, and I remember coming down into the uh, into the lobby of the travel. Do they call them lobbies? The small floor space, and I came down into there, and there was a guy dressed as Hulk Hogan. 
And I said to him, oh, hey, you uh, sort of going to the show tonight? And he went, what? <laughs> I said, you going to the uh, going to the wrestling? And he went, don't know what you're talking about, pal. He was Scottish, by the way, just anyone can pick up on that accent. And uh, didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I went, okay, never mind. I went back to my room, came back down again, and sat with Hulk Hogan, was Spider-Man, Superman, <laughs> Captain America. I think there might have been a Marilyn Monroe in there. And various different people in various different costumes. And uh, I went, ah, stag do, boys, is it? Ah, that's right. Aye. And I said, uh, for a second there, I thought it was um, I thought it was a Fathers for Justice annual convention. <laughs> and and <laughs> four or five of them laughed. Four or five of them looked at me very puzzlingly. And as we made our separate ways and I went off towards the arena, I heard this piercing Scottish accent down the street in Liverpool say, I only want to see my boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not really a wrestling story, but it's a funny one, I think. And uh, that was uh, that was what happened to me when I saw someone dressed as Hogan in Liverpool. Um, uh, by the way, if you're coming to any of our Hooked on Wrestling parties and uh, you want to dress as Hogan, that is fine. Uh, there's not a problem. It's quite frequent, but be good because it's the easiest one for people to go, oh, it's Hogan. And then you can't do a Hogan impression and you can't do the, the hand to the ear. You will get booed. I just want to point that out for people that come dressed up is that uh, once or twice um, people have been a little bit shaken up by the fact that they've made this effort and God bless them for doing so. But then they walk up on the stage and people boo them. And unfortunately for them, I, I encourage it. Um, but it does mean that the really, really good ones and man alive, we had some crackers this time. Um, they do get the appreciation uh, that they need. Um, one more last thing on Mania's before we get on to a topic which we set up last week. We need to get on to Paul Benson's WrestleMania challenge. Um, favorite Manias, Rob? We haven't really done this with any guests so far. We've done it with some Raw Rumbles, but uh, not Manias. Have you got uh, a couple that stick out either as being quote unquote the best WrestleManias or your particular favorites for whatever reason? Well, 30 and 31 were incredible. At the time, I did think, as, uh, as I was watching it, I thought this is going to go down as one of the best in a long time. Um, I suppose for sentimental reasons around WrestleMania 8, I think is very strong, but I think probably, I, I think overall the best wrestlemania match oh i'm very fond of wrestlemania 10 as well particularly for bret hart and owen hart which uh, just watching back again the other day is just absolutely timeless and you know you could sit perfectly now as well but i think for me uh, the the best wrestlemania match of all time in terms of storytelling and effect and everything how it came off and everything is probably austin hart at wrestlemania 13 yeah superb i i have that down i'm a as many people listening will know, a, a huge, huge, huge Bret Hart fan. And uh, to me, there's never been anyone better in terms of the uh, the, the storyline and, and just the telling, the story, sorry, the storytelling in a match, I should say. And those two that you mentioned there, the uh, the Owen match and then the, the Austin one, just almost as perfect as you can get. Um, Rob, how, how do you feel about some of the older WrestleManias? How much does your mind cast back to the start? Well, I, I love them, but the, the ones that we were talking about before we started uh, recording, uh, special number two, I probably that and sixteen are the ones I've watched the least. But uh, you know, interesting. Well, well, when you say the least, um, if you were, if anyone was listening to the podcast last week, hopefully you all were, um, you heard me uh, set Paul Benson a challenge. Now, Paul let slip to me that he has never seen WrestleManias one or two, and I suggested that not only should he watch those two, that he should watch all. 32 previous WrestleManias before we get to WrestleMania 33. It means doing about four a week or so. Um, Paul, how are you getting on? Well, it depends how you define how you're getting on. Um, in terms of the number of WrestleManias I've watched in the last seven days, three. 
in terms of the number of words I've spoken to my wife in the last seven days, about two. <laughs> um, and in terms of the opportunities to watch anything at all on television other than ancient WrestleManias, zero. Am I going to guess? Can I apologise, everyone, by the way? I've had to switch headsets, so I'll probably sound quite different to what I did a second ago, but uh, I'll try not to talk as much if I can do that possibly. Are the two words that you've spoken to your wife, Paul, I'm sorry? <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, you guessed it right. Yeah, she has. She has yet to forgive me for um, spending all my waking hours that she doesn't want to watch TV, um, sat in front of the WWE Network, plowing through what about nine hours of eighties wrestling goodness in inverted commas. <laughs> I can't believe she's not joining you for it. For oh, neither can I. Neither can I. She doesn't know what she's missing. Well, she's missing uh, Jake Roberts versus uh, George Wells, and who could miss out on that? <laughs> Ah, well, so this is interesting because Rob has now brought up one of the matches at one of the mainers that we're talking about. Now, this brings us to the second part of the challenge, which is where I join in as well. Uh, we are going to put something together, which we are calling the WrestleMania Mixtape. And the idea behind this is that uh, if you uh, are a complete newcomer to well, you're not a newcomer to wrestling, but if you had to show uh, a newcomer to wrestling before WrestleMania 33, a bit of a history of Mania to get them up to speed on, on what they can be watching now, um, what matches from WrestleMania past would you put in? Now, we have decided on a, on a new set of rules. Just before we went on air, um, we came up with a, a new set of rules for this. So, Paul and I are each going to choose a match from each WrestleMania as we go along. We are going to put our cases for why we would put that particular match in for the WrestleMania mixtape. And our guest, each week, is going to preside over matters and make a decision. Now, I genuinely didn't know that Rob was training to be a lawyer. So the very fact that you now get to play judge in this <laughs> is making this even more um, weird courtroom drama. It's a rapid um, promotion as well. I'm, I'm very pleased about it. It is. I imagine you are going to be um, the main man at the Old Bailey within the next hour and a half by the, 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 your career trajectory in the minute. Um, but right, okay, so WrestleMania, we're going to, Paul's going to pick first on the uh, the odd numbers and I'm going to pick first on the even ones. And since he's only on the first three, so that's Paul, by the way. I did say you first four, but anyway, you're, one, you're minus one. Um, but for, we're going to do the first three for now. So, Paul, I would say you've got 45 seconds or so to put your case to uh, uh, to Judge Lee, um, <laughs> Chief Justice Lee. That's the one. Um, and uh, and see what uh, he thinks of it. So, what is good the matter? Gimmick, that actually isn't it, Chief Justice Lee? Oh, that's a good gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> I want 15% uh, of all royalties. <laughs> um, so, um, Paul, what match have you chosen? Uh, I thought for the first WrestleMania, there can only be one match. The main event of Hulk Hogan and Mr. T uh, against Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Okay, you're up all night thinking of that one, weren't you? Um, so what, why, if, uh, if anyone needed uh, a reason, but why have you chosen that for your decision for the mixtape? Well, I think this is one of the easy decisions we're going to come across in the 32. Um, essentially, as Rob alluded to, some of the matches on those early couple of WrestleManias were non-entities, almost literally. Um, this WrestleMania was built almost entirely around that match. It was the deciding factor between the success and failure, not just of WrestleMania, but of a whole company. And it defined an era in terms of the rock and wrestling era. That match was rock and wrestling. So for me, it's one of the most historically important matches in those early days of WWE or WF. And it has to be the WrestleMania one choice for the mixtape. I rest my case. <laughs> Very good. That's all in. If we can use an expression from earlier on. Um, obviously you're wrong. 
um, because I have to come up with a, an alternative. Um, and actually, you know, because we are, we are doing this so that Paul chooses first and then I have to pick something else or, or vice versa. I actually wouldn't have picked that even if you'd have given me first choice. I am going with what was essentially the semi-main event because it was the one uh, match just before um, the one that you were talking about. I am going with Wendy Richter defeating Leilani Kai for the WWF Women's Championship. And the reason I am is twofold. One is because I still feel that the essence of WrestleMania and the essence of wrestling in, in full should be the glory of winning matches for titles. I think that's what everyone should be going for. And the fact is that um, there's nothing wrong with the odd star-studded tag team match for a bit of glory and a bit of bragging rights. But ultimately, it didn't matter who won that match um, in the storyline of wrestling, apart from maybe the purse money, as uh, Gorilla, Monsoon, Gorilla Monsoon used to say, and frankly, no one has since, and they should. Um, I loved Wendy Richter versus Lilani Kai, not because of the, the quality of the match, but because Wendy Richter was um, beloved by that crowd. She was very of her time. Uh, they went mad when she won. She was a huge star at the time. Uh, and she was accompanied by Cindy Lauper, um, who was heavily involved in what they called the rock and wrestling connection around that time. WrestleMania 1 is all about wrestling going mainstream on pay-per-view. And they had um, Muhammad Ali involved, and they had um, um, Billy Martin and Liberace, and all sorts of people that they had involved. And that's what WrestleMania 1 was all about. So to explain WrestleMania 1... You have the title win, you have someone that was a huge star at the time, and you have the celebrity involvement. So that is my pitch um, for my uh, match at WrestleMania 1. It is over to you, Chief Justice Lee, as I'm, you're, you're probably going to call me, I'm going to have to call you forever. <laughs> yeah, forever. Um, so uh, what are you going with as your decision? Based on the facts that are available to us, uh, and it is noted your comments about title wins being set down in precedent for this WrestleMania case law. All right, I'll drop this shit now. Uh, <laughs> completely uh, appreciate your attempt, Rob, at uh, doing that. And uh, I, I think looking at WrestleMania 4 in terms of, well, retroactively what WWE do, of course, is they pick out the WrestleMania moments. And I think one a, a small one that goes uh, forgotten about in this, uh, this first WrestleMania, because there aren't too many of them, is King Kong Bundy uh, beats SD Jones, Special Delivery Jones, in which was, uh, I think it was billed at about nine seconds at the time. And Gorilla Monsoon went crazy about how it was the fastest pin. I, I remember timing it when I was about... Uh, about 13, something like that. So, uh, way after the fact, after 85. And I think it was about 23 seconds. But they held on to that for quite a long time. But uh, I appreciate what you're saying about the women's match, uh, Rob. It was ultimately dog rough a match, though. Like, really poor. And uh, the, there's no competition, really. It is the main event, I think. Booyah! <sighs> okay. And I must say, Rob, you should have been disqualified from that anyway for going way over your allotted time. <laughs> that, that is a very, very fair point, which I thought of about a minute and a half into what I was saying. Uh, I will try and be uh, a little bit more concise as I go. And I will, I will honourably step aside on that one because, uh, yeah, I think the main event of the first WrestleMania um, has got a, a real case uh, for being in it. Um, I think there might be more Hogan matches to come as this uh, uh, as this mixtape gets put together. So that was one of my reasons for having something different in there. But I will honourably step aside. Um, you did watch WrestleMania one for the first time. Did you have any um, observations upon it from uh, having watched it from having you know nearly thirty years with the wrestling fandom, but not having seen the first Mania? Well, uh, yeah, and there was probably a good reason why I've gone so many years as a wrestling fan without bothering to watch this. And and frankly, it's because 
out of out of time, out of its time. It's it's a dreadfully poor show. Um, bizarre production values, mm-hmm. um, poor matches with no names up and down the card, um, and just odd, just really jarring. It doesn't feel like a WrestleMania. You know, you get to WrestleMania three, and even with that old vibe, you can you can connect the dots. You can see the evolution of WrestleMania from three to thirty two. WrestleMania one just feels odd and bizarre and mm. also has to be highlighted by Alfred Hayes who clearly was in there without an autocue one of the most dreadful performances in MC I've ever seen um, to the point where he couldn't even remember the name of the rock and wrestling era um, I think he called it the rock and roll wrestling chat I can't remember what it was but it was completely wrong and he looked like a rabbit in the headlights and, and that to me epitomized Wrestlemania flying by the seat of their pants great at his time but I never ever want to see it again I dare not criticise that for the time where I think it may have been at last year's SummerSlam party um, when I forgot Eva Marie's name. (laughs) And I had to call her the chick with the red hair. I don't think I've ever used the word chick to describe a woman in my entire life until I had a microphone in my hand in front of 500 people and I suddenly couldn't remember a lady's name. So I apologise to Eva Marie for that. That's when you discover you're a misogynist. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite a shock to me. Um, but, uh, but not to anyone else. Um, on to WrestleMania 2, uh, which was noted for being in three uh, different venues. Here's, a, here's a, We'd like a, a good teaser triv, um, question here on the Hooked on Wrestling. Name me the three locations uh, of WrestleMania 2, um, but not the uh, venues. I mean the towns or cities in which they're in. Well, I've, I've just seen this, so surely this one should be for Rob. I do have Wikipedia in front of me. Ah, oh, you boy. Well, it doesn't actually say where it is. I'm on the results bit. So, Rosemont Horizon, I think, was Chicago, wasn't it? Um, yep. Los Angeles Sport Memorial Sports Arena speaks for yourself. And then I've got the Nassau Coliseum. Where's Nassau? Is that is that New York it's State? It's in Long Island, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uniondale, New York. The correct answer, if I'm being really picky, are Uniondale, New York, Rosemont, Illinois. And Los Angeles, California, because we're okay. just outside Chicago. Chicago. We wouldn't ask that kind of question at the uh, the Hooked on Wrestling careers because it's too tr- it's too p- picky about things. If, if if you did say New York and Chicago, we didn't give you a point, it would seem harsh. But I was just uh, just playing with your minds there, boys. Um, but WrestleMania two, I get to go first on WrestleMania two, and I will try and be uh, a little bit quicker on it. Um, I did sort of anticipate that um, the main event might win the first one, so we'd already have Hogan in there, um, and I also. Uh, really don't like the main event of uh, WrestleMania 2 at all. I thought it was quite uh, quite dull um, and not really so historically significant. So I am going for the WWF versus NFL Battle Royal, mm-hmm. which was ultimately won by Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. I make my, do I need to make my case? Um, yes, please. I am saying that these days we have an Andre the Giant Battle Royal, um, and people might wonder why. And it's because Andre used to win battle royals for fun in various different territories. Uh, this has also got the celebrity aspect. It's got lots of NFL stars. Um, and when WWF was trying to get himself into the mainstream, uh, American football was a good vehicle to go alongside it to show that they were athletes as well. Um, it's a fun battle royal. Um, it's a good showing for Bret Hart in his early days, and he's going to be a star in the WrestleMania mixtape to come. And, of course, Andre, huge legacy star as well. So that is a perfect way of getting a battle royal in early in the WrestleMania mixtape and showing you what's to come later on. Okay. Over to so my on to my turn, um, and I've got a couple of matches really that I could pick from on this card. Um, I ultimately I'm going to plump for the tag team title match of the British Bulldogs versus the Dream Team of Greg the Hammer, Happy Valentine's Day, and Brutus pre the Barber Beefcake. 
Um, the reason I'm going to go for this match, um, it, it kind of echoes Rob's argument from WrestleMania 1, actually. Um, to me, this felt like the first truly decent and good WrestleMania title match with four guys in there. You know, you had very competent workers to the, in the Bulldogs. You had a very, very good team, very popular team who I think were in the main event for one of the cities and for, and for good reason. They were hugely over. Um, couple that with the Ozzy Osbourne uh, involvement, which gets that ticks that celebrity box. And like I say, it was just a damn good match. And I think, you know, it was damn good matches are in very short supply in the first two WrestleManias. So I want to pop that in there into my mixtape, if Chief Justice Lee will allow. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I've got my wig back on. Um, Rob, interesting point about the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal, and you said that Bret Hart was a significant part of it, and William the Fridge Perry was in there as well, Bill Fralick, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knew the, the Fridge in the 80s. Bret Hart was the last to be eliminated in WrestleMania Four Battle Royal as well by, by Bad News. And as you were saying that, I was trying to think, when was the next Battle Royal in a WrestleMania after WrestleMania Four? Good question. And I, I, not the pre-show ones where they'd load people up. I can't think when the next one is, actually. WrestleMania 15, where you had the tag team Battle Royal. Okay. That, and then the, they had the gimmick one on 17 as well, didn't they? That's a good shout-out. I forgot about that tag team one. That's going to be the tag team one, then. That was them Legion of Doom, was it? That's the one, yeah. Lead, LOD 2000, if we're being picky. Yes, indeed. Um, I think that's got to be the next one. So, yeah, very interesting. And it was, it, was a, it was a good match as well, in fact, because they had, considering there were so many amateurs as there were, half the, half the team were, about, uh, were, were football players. And I'd slightly dispute saying Hogan versus King Kong Bundy had no historical value, because at the time, Bundy did have a bit of mainstream presence. He was in some films. I remember he was in a Richard Pryor film, but that might have been just before now. But he did have a bit of ca- a mainstream cachet towards him. But again, it was another dog's dinner, this card. And I'm going to give it to Miss Benson, because oh, the British Bulldogs, woo-hoo. not only did they have Ozzy uh, there, it was probably, along with um, uh, well, well, a match that, uh, is very famous from from the next WrestleMania. This was probably one of the best matches overall. This tag team match of the first several WrestleManias, very much under the radar one. But I think Meltzer gave it four stars at the time, or maybe retrospectively. And also the best match that Bruce the Beefcake's ever been in. Would have been five stars if it was in Tokyo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meow. Very <laughs> uh, good point. Um, here's another uh, question from uh, WrestleMania 2, and I have seen this one. Look away from your screens. Um, but this was the only WrestleMania to be held. Finish that sentence. Uh, on what? Well, well um... oh, hang on. Was it, uh, was it on a uh, Saturday? Circuit? Ah, Paul was closest, but wrong. Go the other way around. On a Monday. On a Monday. It's the only WrestleMania really? on Monday, apparently. Yeah, I just literally have just read that. I didn't know that. I'm not going to uh, suggest I knew that. I just read it. Um, Am I right in saying that the second portion, which is where both of the matches that we've chosen are from, am I right in saying that that was the one that was that was the bit that was commentated on by Jesse Ventura and Elvira? I remember Elvira only because how bad she was. I don't remember which matches she was doing. Um... Not sure about that, but I, I, my recollection is him being really good in that WrestleMania as a commentator. He wasn't actually a, necessarily the, the, the colour guy like normal. They had to make him a commentator because she was with him. And I seem to remember him being really good. Now, I want to say, oh, that would have helped those two matches. But if I'm honest, I can't remember um, exactly where everything fit. I do remember that uh, 
that Susan St. James was with um, was with Vince for the, the, the first part portion, or she was certainly on the first portion, and uh, was horrifically annoying in saying the word George over and over again during Randy Savage versus George Steele. And then out comes uh, George Wells to wrestle Jake Roberts. So Susan St. James just said George for about 25 minutes, and then uh, when we moved on. Still some dodgy production values carrying on from WrestleMania 1 here, I think. And this is this is part of why I think these wrestle, early WrestleManias don't get watched so much, because people are... Obviously, WrestleMania 1 is seen as, and, and is very much positioned as, a starting point for, for WWE, which is why recently I've gone the other way and started watching a lot more of their older stuff. But it it is... Uh, it is a barrier to enjoying it quite so much, I'd suggest. To, uh, to pick myself up on something, because there's bound to be people listening saying, how can you not remember that? Um, the announcers I've now found were um, Gorilla Monsoon, Gene Oakland and Kathy Lee Crosby uh, in the Chicago portion and Jesse Ventura, Alfred Hayes and Elvira in Los Angeles. So I was right, I think, that uh, Jesse was a kind of commentator rather than the colour guy, but uh, I did have my orders wrong. Um, and it's also, I'm intrigued to see, that I've seen the, the official poster uh, here um, with uh, Hulk and Bundy on it, but also it says at the bottom a battle royale, spelled with an e on the end. I, mm-hmm. certainly, I wonder at what point they changed that. Anyway, let's move on to uh, WrestleMania three. Uh, I am old for two uh, to use American sporting parlance. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I can get one back in WrestleMania three. Paul, what are you choosing? Well, um, slightly surprised that Rob sided with me on that one actually. So it's actually straight changed my strategy slightly. Um, I was not going to propose a second Andre match in a row. But seeing as the first one didn't go in, I am going to once again plump for the main event. Um, Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan. Um, At the time, one of the best championship stories um, that the mainstream had ever seen. I'm not going to talk about some of the Bruno Sammartino stories, etc., that played really well locally, but certainly the one that captured the attention of uh, the whole of America and many parts of the world as well. At Hogan as his absolute peak as a pop culture icon. Andre the Giant is the undefeated monster. And there's a reason nearly 100,000 people packed into that stadium to watch that match. Um, dog's dinner of a match. Doesn't matter at all. It's so, so vitally important to where WrestleMania went from those first two fairly poor shows to being catapulted into the stratosphere to being an absolute pop culture phenomenon. That match was what put that on the map, put WrestleMania on the map and gave birth to what we know today as WrestleMania and WrestleMania moments. So I think it's a very, very easy decision that WrestleMania 3 has to be represented by the WWF Championship match between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Mm, It's quite hard to argue against that. I'm going to concede right from the start that that's pretty difficult to argue against. But I am going to have to come back at you, Paul, um, with what would... You know, a match of WrestleMania 3, which is clearly the best match of WrestleMania at that point. Um, one of the best matches of WrestleMania history. And I talk, of course, of which, of Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules uh, <laughs> in a double count-out. <laughs> no, the battle no. of the full Nelsons. Yes, the one. Oh, goodness me, yes. Um, I am going to say uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Macho Man Savage. Um, it was for the Intercontinental Championship. Ricky Steamboat won it. Um, I don't need to tell people listening about that match. Um, everyone will have seen it. I'm sure even just me mentioning it means that people are picking up their iPads and dialing up the WWE network so they can see it again. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, it would stand up now. Uh, you could put that onto any pay-per-view right now, and it doesn't matter that it's 30 years on. Uh, it's still brilliant. Um, it matters more then because that was not what wrestling was about, in WWF anyway. It's fair to say that in other territories there was a little bit more um, stock held on wrestling matches, as, uh, as Ric Flair going around the country having great matches would tell you. But uh, this was revolutionary at the time uh, for WWF 
for audiences. It showed you that you could have a great wrestling match, still tell a great story, have a brilliant champion win at the end. Um, and that's all I need to say about that, really. Um, it was one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. How could you not have it on uh, when it is in from WrestleMania 3? Based on the fact, while it is clear that uh, Steamboat and Savage was a, a superior athletic contest. Again, I'm going to have to side with Mr. Benson here in terms <laughs> of the wonder and the capture of imagination. Uh, uh, one of the most effectively promoted matches of all time. It didn't matter that the bear hug lasted four minutes out of how long. It was probably about seven minute match in total. And uh, that, it, yeah, it was <laughs> an, an aberration but it gave rise to so many different um, myths, including the attendance of 93,000, which was nowhere near. But at the time, it was bigger than the Pope and the Rolling Stones had brought into that uh, the Pontiac Silverdome. Um, unquestionably, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, one of the most iconic matches of all time. Who did the Pope ever be? That's my question. <laughs> 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 Not but nobody in TNA, that's for sure. He was the first, the first infallible wrestler until Roman Reigns came along. <laughs> uh, right, I'm over for three, aren't I? I? I feel actually that's the that's the easiest one to take of the three because um, Hogan Andre, um, yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with that, isn't it? For the for the iconic nature of it, um, the, the way the story was told, Heenan's portion in it, everything about that, um, even down to them. Uh, learning how to use those little casts so they could use them at uh, the Royal Rumble this year. Um, I want to thank you, Rob, um, for presiding over that, except I'm not going to because you were clearly biased against me. Um, but uh, well done, I suppose, um, for a little bit of it. And good luck in your um, career uh, soliciting or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, it's a different thing, but not yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> I did know that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, there, I, am, you know, I have not made a very successful start. But this is the Paul Benson WrestleMania Challenge, it should be said. So... Um, I feel that uh, you've done well to begin with, Paul. Um, your uh, your first three matches uh, are all on the WrestleMania mixed tape. Um, your challenge now, sir, is to try and get as many WrestleManias in between this podcast and next week's. I should say to everyone, I forgot to say at the start of the show, we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, February the 15th, and hopefully it'll be up uh, on the same night, maybe on the Thursday morning. But uh, uh, we So we have a week between our podcast recordings. So Paul is now going to try and watch... At least four to six, maybe four to seven. How are you going to go? I've I've got to hit a run rate of five, really, haven't I? Because I'm, you know, already technically I'm behind the curve. So if I'm going to get to thirty-two by the time Mania rolls around, and some of them are four hours. Uh, some of them are four hours. Uh, if I don't want to be sitting there at the bar at Walkabout Temple watching the end of WrestleMania 32 at quarter to eleven, then I better get my skates on. And by the way, I worked this out just the other day, separate to our challenge. If if my maths are correct. There has been exactly 100 hours of WrestleMania up to this point. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so, so four, four, and a bit, four and a bit full days between now and my April the 2nd. Brilliant. Um, Rob, are you specialising in uh, in what lawyer you're going to be? Not yet. <laughs> but, uh... how, about, how about divorces? Mm. <laughs> You've got a few so, clients lined up with Mr. Benson. Yeah. So, sorry, Paul. Um, you'll get there, mate. You'll get there. And listen, you're familiar with some of the menus as, as time goes on. So you'll, uh, uh, you'll, um, I'm sure, watch them. You can, you can do a little bit of work in the back. You can do work and have the WrestleMania in the background. I'm not going to be too strict on you, um, but we want to get them all watched. And we are definitely going to get through all the way up until WrestleMania 32 by the time uh, we reach the end of if, this little if one. If I get desperate, if I get desperate, I might have to start watching two at once. One on the iPad, one on the screen. 
that's an uh, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Why and uh, up, I just have this I have this image of your house in rural Yorkshire looking like Mission Control. <laughs> all these screens set up, and someone comes around. Goes, what are you doing? It's WrestleMania's on Sunday, and I've got nine still to watch. <laughs> I'm watching 32 WrestleManias at the same time. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, the network is good. I'm not sure it's that good to be able to. Uh, to, the network is down in the UK because Paul is on 32 devices trying to watch things at, uh, at the same time. Um, gents, this has been a, a load of fun, but we're going to have to wrap up this podcast, partially um, because uh, my voice is going, partially because uh, we all have lives, and partially because Paul's probably got to watch another WrestleMania before he goes to bed. Rob, first of all, thank you so much for um, coming on and joining us. This won't be, uh, won't be the last time. We'll make sure uh, you... Uh, come back maybe in the uh, the wrestlemania aftermath to uh, to have a little chat about uh, what you thought of it but um once again thank you very much for coming on the podcast hopefully you've had a good time yeah thanks for having me cheers and uh, those of you that are going to the uh wrestlemania event in birmingham which is birmingham um uh, you can be sure to uh, go along and say hi to rob um how will they recognize you have you got a big beard at the moment or not uh no i'm clean shaven now but i'm a very large man so that's uh... Uh, all over, so that's that I'm fairly recognisable. There you go. Uh, you can uh, you'll you'll recognise Rob's dulcet tones, no doubt. Uh, Paul, thank you for your uh, company once again. I'm sorry that I'm tiring you out with this challenge, but I'm sure you're secretly enjoying it. Really, we haven't seen anything yet, have we, Rob? We're just getting started. And th- um, echo the thanks to Rob Lee, fantastic guest, mate, fantastic host. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Paul. And uh, yeah, everybody, go to uh, the shows for WrestleMania. Cool. How can people follow you on uh, on social media if you indeed you want them to? Uh, at the moment, uh, my profile is locked while I tidy it up because I'm uh, uh, having to be a little bit more credible, as it were. But I'm on at that Rob L uh, at the moment on Twitter. There you go. So uh, we'll, uh, let's see if you make uh, Rob's particular list if he allows you to uh, follow him. And we never do ours, so you can say uh, you can say who you are. My personal Twitter account is um, at Benson Lives. Um, by all means, please follow me, but it, it tends to just be a stream of nonsense and hooked on wrestling retweet. That is exactly what people are there for. Uh, I'm at <laughs> if you'd like to follow me as well, and you can follow us at... Oh, no, I better not do it. I don't want to take your thunder away. What's the hooked on ones? Hooked on Twitter, HO underscore wrestling, and Facebook at facebook.com slash HO wrestling. One of these weeks, I'm going to do that in the style of Zack Ryder from uh, from those old YouTube videos, but I haven't quite got to it yet. <laughs> when you say one of these weeks, uh, next week, please. Let's uh, <laughs> have that prepared. Um, don't forget, ringsideworld.co.uk for, uh, for your tickets for all the venues. Um, it is worth you getting your tickets in advance. Uh, And we will see you uh, here on the Hooked On podcast next week. Uh, And until then, I I am going to ever so slightly amend our finishing line. Normally, I say, it's wrestling, enjoy it. But I feel there's only one thing I can say to finish the podcast this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's wrestling. You don't need pants. (laughs) 